All right, welcome to the episode three of Break 80 Podcast. Stouds here. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Forey. How are you, Mike? Not too bad. We're th- week three. Week three. I, I agree. We've got uh, a guest joining us this evening as well. He's a Minnesota golf enthusiast who's traveled this entire state to play golf and experience all that uh, Minnesota has to offer. We're hoping today that he can bring us some course insight as we break down our Sweet 16 results, as well as look forward to our Lead 8 matchups of our Minnesota Public Course March Madness Bracket. And he's also played all 16 courses that we included. And we want to welcome Timothy Corlett to the pod. What's up, Tim? Hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. And I can tell you I've explored too much of those courses <laughs> as I played them. And I, I want to throw in a couple of tidbits about Tim here. He is a Nike blade collar enthusiast. This guy loves the blade collar. And he also may have, this is not fact, but I am uh, just thinking he might have the greatest Tervis Tumblr collection of anybody in America. He's got how many? Oh, I think I'm just south of, of 80. I think it's probably my retirement fund. It's an right impressive Turvis Tumblr from all from golf courses. Impressive. That's great. Well, let's 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 get to know Tim a little bit. Um so Tim, you've played obviously all 16 courses. Um is there any part of Minnesota that you haven't like played? Gosh, you know, it, it's a little bit barren as you go up to Moorhead anyway. Uh, for greater golf scene. Uh, but if there was anything on that path outside of Greystone, um, I haven't played it. Other than that, all the way over to Dakota. Uh, and I'm, I think I'm probably the only one that's even heard of the bridges. So uh, <laughs> if there's a, a quarrel with them making it in, I, I think I was probably their, their biggest advocate. Um, and the only reason I do that is because you have to work the ball off the tee in so many different ways at that course. That's great. I actually respect the bridges. Um, they've been um, a big part of really supporting this whole bracket thing and and sending messages and they are they're on their way to send me four four free passes as well to people that have been involved in these conversations and whatnot so shout out to the bridges um they've been awesome people um tim one more thing as we get to know you a, a little bit more um wait are you saying you haven't been to Baudette to play golf <laughs> I, i'm gonna be honest i'm from iowa i have no idea where that is unless they leave the light on for you I don't, it sounds like a super <laughs> That's for the border that's walleye country that's way the hell um, up there. What sure uh, what, the what, snow still? Uh, for sure, yeah. What so? What is your um, what area have you kind of enjoyed the most out of Minnesota playing it and no, traveling? We we started doing this was a couple years back, uh, a July Fourth trip up to the wilderness, up to Corey and Legend in that area. The hotels are full with families, but the golf courses are barren, so um, can can make a round at the Corey. So long as I'm not playing terribly in about three hours and 15 minutes, which I love fast play. Uh, so it's just, it's golden up there, July 4th weekend. What a tidbit. Just a little side note, like anybody's not busy July 4th. Get up well, the holiday. The, the, the hotel availability is not great, um, but the golf courses are wide open. So don't expect to get an air tube in a boat, um, but you can get a tea time. <laughs> awesome. Well, I got to know Tim a little bit um, as we, talk about our agenda here a little bit we're going to talk uh minnesota golf it's getting underway we'll talk about that a little bit we've got the valspar that just finished up a fun little playoff that we can discuss uh we've got the wgc match play event uh that'll be following uh coming up this week and then we've got our results to discuss our our bracket talk so that's kind of our agenda for today uh let's start talking a little bit with this season of minnesota golf getting underway and before we get to that even you two gentlemen played some golf today in Minnesota. Let's talk about that. 
Hell yeah. We went to Creek's Bend and, and, and we scraped her around. It was actually for being, I think they opened Friday or something on Thursday. I, I believe Thursday. Yeah. And it wasn't that muddy. It was actually not terrible. We played lift clean in place, obviously, because you'd hit some spots where you'd just be, it'd be muddy, but it was not bad. So we're, we're playing. Where is Creek's Bend? Outside New Prague. All right. So not too bad of a drive. No, not too bad from the about, Metro. About 30 minutes from the South Metro. Um, a Joel Goldstrand design. So just the pinnacle of Minnesota designers. Great. You guys yeah. any any yeah, golf absolutely. stories from the round? I don't how, about know. The, how about the good, good putts that you guys both missed? Oh, well, I want you, I want all the listeners to know if you're really interested in my putting odyssey. I decided to commit today to uh just regular, normal old putting grip. Didn't practice at all. I, th- I had a big plan to putt indoors on my mat a bunch and didn't, just showed up. And the putter held up, eh, okay. I hit it really well, so that helped. But we might, this might be a one-round deal. Oh, but yes, on, on hole number nine at at uh, Creek's Pen, it's a par five. I, we were, they only had like one set of tees out and it was way up. So we just went and played some random middle tee. Uh, so it was playing pretty short. We both had birdie putts, like, uh, I don't know, Tim's like three feet and mine was like inside the leather. I don't even, it was short. It was short. Mine was just outside the putter line. And we're, play, and we're playing a little match with these other two guys. You know, it's a two-man game and whatever. And I said, good, good. He's like, no, I want to put these for practice. And I said, all right, whatever. Missed it, of course. He missed it. And then I get up there and hammer it in the back of the jar, but I left the pin in and bounced it off the pin. And, of course, they wouldn't give it to me. So I was like, F you guys. All right. To be, but, to be fair, the lock John, right? Lock John, you just don't say the good, good. <laughs> most famous golfer in history that ever did that. Tiger Woods, go back and look through all his USAMs. <laughs> just the most famous lock jar. That birdie, I, would, look, I that love birdie the, would look great on the scorecard right at the end of the round. You I love the me. cockiness. I love the cockiness of leaving the flag and just confidently just giving a rip. <laughs> that, 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 that flag bounce cost me uh, a 69 today at Creek's Bend. All right. 70 does not sound as good. It's it's a rough day when you come out for the first round of the year and shoot under par. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit. Let me talk talk about this because I think, um, you know, I went out there and just glad to be out there, you know, didn't give a shit about any thinking. I was hitting driver everywhere. Shouldn't have hit it more than five times. And I hit it on every par four and every, you know, par five everywhere when you, Probably should because I don't I didn't care and I hit it really well for not you know playing um at all really since last year I guess I played probably three sim rounds which is a lot for me actually so I'm more prepared this year than ever but um uh yeah I think there's something to that because as you start playing and as you start you know thinking uh I will not probably shoot that score who for who knows sometime in the summer maybe until next week no no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, I'll say this. I it's firing a 70 right off the bat kind of gets your expectations up pretty high though. That's the only thing. Now it's like, ah, can I hit that again? No, no. So, I just, uh, it's kind of like your guy, your guy, Neesmith on the PGA Tro, which we'll talk about in a bit. I, I I'm going with that mentality of showing up and saying, I don't give a shit. I'm just playing golf today. He's got to do worse or else you guys got to change the logo. So. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. That's not a... All right. Well, let's talk about Minnesota golf courses. You know, you'd think we've already got a few open. Some are going to, some are probably going to be opening up this week. Somebody did, some did open up this weekend because of the nice weekend. Um, we're probably looking at a few when you're talking about, you know, central Minnesota and below a lot of these courses are probably within the next week or two start opening up any, 
on the list so far that you guys have heard of? Uh, yeah, so it, I drive around all the time for work as well and can tell you Rochester is almost wide open with no snow. So we're going to see a lot of a lot of the dominoes start falling. But as of right now, we've got Creeks Bend in New Prague and Emma Greens. We've got Meadow Greens, Montgomery National, Stonebrook just announced opening for tomorrow, um, the 20th. We've got Shadow Creek. Shadow Brook. No, Shadow. Uh, Shadow, Shadow Brook out in Leicester. There's yep. a Shadow Creek. I didn't know that. Vegas or Leicester Prairie. Hey, I wrote them down straight from the internet. <laughs> Shadow Brook. It's Shadow Brook, right? Yeah, well, Shadowbrook's the one in Leicester, yeah. Yeah, that's and they'll probably be open. Is. They'll be open. They're one of the first ones always to open. Yep. Uh, then we got Willow Creek and Trempaleo. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the one the one just a little bit south of Red Wing. There's at okay. least three Goldstrands on there. Minnesota, Minnesota's <laughs> own. Joel Goldstrand. I also saw Pioneer Creek is opening tomorrow as well. That's in Delano area. Saw, saw um, that. Walking, so. Sister course, the wind song. <laughs> What's that? Wind song sister course. Okay. Uh, so obviously with the, with the, you know, the weather kind of looking on well, not ideal this week, not great, but the courses are opening. People are getting excited. Um, with that being said, we had a, a listener, uh, or I should say listener slash follower break 80 that talked about one thing that we should mention any season goals that we have for our own games this year. Anything that you guys pops in your head? You know, this could be, um, handicap goals. It could be a number of rounds you want to play. It could be a place you want to get to. It could be a course you haven't visited yet. It could be a golf trip that you're taking. Any season goals that you have in mind? Well, uh, shout out to um, Shamrock last year for my first 18 holes under under par ever shooting a 68. I don't know if that necessarily counts because it's pretty much wide open and the greens are very hey. flat. They got to get in the hole. It counts. They got to get in the hole. Absolutely. But I'd like, I've, I've shot a couple 70s, a 71. I would love to see myself get below par on, on anything with the slope rating above 120. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I've got a couple trips planned. I'm going to Bend, Oregon uh, here in the start of April, Myrtle Beach in May. And I've got some pricing around whistling to play four of their courses for. If any, any of the listeners are interested for around 2100 bucks in um, later August. So if anyone's trying to put pricing packages together. Tim's a prolific golf traveler. He's trying to play with top 100 publics. Top, top 100 publics. I, I think I'm right around 30 of them played. I was trying to scratch out a list and, and ran out a little bit of time. So when that, as that list changes, what do you do? You just kind of keep, I mean, I'm, is it, how often does a top 100 switch up? No, it, it doesn't change too much year to year, um, especially the Golf Digest one. I, everyone has their um, political opinion on Golf Digest and how they do their rankings. Uh, but generally, but someone that I've read the book of did uh, his top 100, and this was the privates included as well. Um, but you just kind of have to pick a year. Uh, so I got involved in this in 2020. So I'm kind of just going off that old 2020 list. Obviously, Great. I'm not going to turn down a, a trip if I'm in the neighborhood of a new top 100. I'm absolutely <laughs> going to go play it. <laughs> Great. I would That's love awesome. to get. I would love to get to um, Sand Valley again. We went. Tim and I went last May, and it had to be probably the best golf deal around. We played all 53 holes because they have the two championship courses and a 17 hole par three course called the Sandbox. But we walked all 53 holes in a day. So we started at the Sandbox, and then we went and played the Sand Valley ate lunch and played mammoth dunes right till dark and for the whole day it was like 280 bucks to play those those you know two of those are awesome 
Sand Valley and Mammoth Dunes. And that's, I think, in, I think June 1st when the prices increase. Correct. Yeah. Right at the end of May. Um, and then food, beers are $4, burgers for $10. A shout out to, I think, the Super 8 that we stayed in. Um, <laughs> I've never seen a, a shockingly a limited amount of furniture in my entire life. Um, very European feel. Time. European with vibe. That, with that price for you guys, I'd, I'd sleep in a tent. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's, that's it's, with, it's, uh, it's, Wisconsin yeah. Rapids. Super eight, very European. <laughs> <laughs> well, heck yeah. Well, if you guys hit that out, hit me up. I love to love to join next time if you find find another deal. Yeah. Like that. As as far as my own golf game, I, I don't ever have a plan. I don't know. I always tell myself every winter I'm going to practice, then I never really do, and then I so nah. I just have fun. I don't know. I might some years I try to play in some state you know tournaments of variety, and some years I don't, and I don't. I don't know. Kind of just kind of whatever. Jeff, you you and you and I are out here grinding, breaking eighty, and and Mike's just living life. <laughs> yeah, I that's about it. It's living life, you know, having I'm, fun, playing golf. I'm sitting in here swinging my club over thousands of times this winter just to just to have a yeah. clue where my ball's going. The hands. But are I'd ready. say, I, what's that? The hands are ready. You're, you're <laughs> exactly. You're yeah, let's hear um, the swing lab. Here we go. I would say for me, I've got. I, I definitely want to break seventy. Never done it. Um, I don't know why I've, I've shot 70 number. Uh, I shouldn't say a number of times, but you know, three to four times somewhere in there. And I just cannot get over the mental lap of getting over 70. So I'm working on that. That'd be one of my, one of my goals. Another goal is like, as always, I'd like to continue to meet people and play with new people. I think that's, that's always fun. That's golf brings people together and, and uh, hopefully continuing to meet, meet with uh, followers, listeners would, would love to play rounds with um, just new people. Um, and then another goal that I've got is to um, keep having my daughter enjoy the experience. I think her and I, she's, she's uh, um, going to be seven this summer and it's been kind of a fun bond between us and getting her on, getting her on the course and having her enjoy it is fun for me as well. So my goal is to kind of hopefully after this um, summer that she continues to like it. So, so those does, are some uh, of my big ones. Does she swing from the, the wrong side of the box or the right side mm-hmm. of the box? No, actually, the one that doesn't like golf as much is the left-hander. Okay. <laughs> so, so we don't have that going for us. So that'd be kind of my goals. Um, also want to think about doing a potential break 80 event as well. Thinking yeah, about doing some sort of uh, uh, event and putting that together probably later in the summer or fall even. Is that so, going to happen at the uh, the championship of the bracket, do you think? You know what? We we would love for them to reach out to us and, and have that be a possibility. But, yeah, we'd have to – We'd have to touch base for sure. So I like where this is going. I like where this <laughs> exactly. is going. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit of professional golf. The uh the real good players. Um it was at Innisbrook this week um this week, Valspar. I don't think the Valspar it's been called the Valspar has been a very old tournament. I think it's um I think it's only been played for I thought I saw this today. Only two people have won the Valspar. Is that possible? Is that Paul Casey and you mean one one uh, twice in a row back to back and Sam Burns, so no. I was, that must be back to back because Paul Casey won back to back and Sam. But Burns. I, I want to say like since we've since Valspar has been called that, I want to say so maybe somebody could look that up while I'm talking about this a little bit. But no, I I actually visited the course uh, back in twenty what twenty fourteen. Um, one of the workoutings that I had was at Innisbrook. Yeah. Um, beautiful property, uh, but but can definitely confirm it was the Valspar all the way back then. It was called the Valspar. Okay. I was just checking. I thought I, I thought I saw that today, but maybe not. Maybe they're talking about back to back. Sam Burns went back to back. Yeah. I mean, 
it fits Sam Burns, Sam Burns and Paul Casey's eye. I don't, I don't know what it is, but the repeat champion it's uh, you know, it's that tight, tight course, sneaky long. We talked about that has the snake pit at the end. So it could be challenging, but there was a lot of low scores out there um, this week. The weather was much better than last week at the players. Uh, I think a lot of, a lot of stories to take away. I guess we'll just start with Sam Burns um, th- three wins in a total of a year. Uh, he's got two Valspars now and then Sanderson Farms. Yeah, according to – I just looked this up here before we recorded. According to Dylan Deethier, who's a you know big-timer with Golf Magazine or some, something, golf.com, he posted – it wasn't officially updated on the world rankings, but he posted, so we'll go with it, that Sam Burns is going to be ahead of DJ, Bryson DeChambeau, Jordan Spieth, and Brooks Kepka on the new world rankings. So, that's playing – that's golfing your ball well. Yeah. And he's got to be at Ryder Cup, putting himself in pretty good position for the Ryder Cup here next year. Yeah, he'll be uh, chewing for the President's Cup at that yeah. point with his, with his world ranking. Um, what's interesting to me with the Sam Burns thing is last week he was the, I think, the second round leader. I think he was in at minus eight or something like that after round two. And we see this a lot. It seems to me like a lot of the times a player has a, a fairly good week before plays well is one of the leaders, you know, the last couple of rounds and then kind of doesn't have a great Saturday or Sunday. And then they come back the following week and obviously him having won here had the confidence of liking the course and obviously playing well. Um, he ends up winning. I mean, I think we see that quite, quite often. And the dude doesn't seem to have too many weaknesses. I think he gets a little loose off the tee at times, um, but he made, he made some absolute ridiculous eight, nine foot putts today that, um, you know, kept him in this the whole time. I, th- I think he's one of those prototypical modern golfers where the game's going big, strong guy bombs it, you know, but, but good at pretty much everything. Um, well, you got, you, we were golfing. So you saw, you got to talk about Davis Riley. So Davis Riley, uh, Alabama guy, very, uh, renowned college golfer. You know, he, you know, if you think of him, you probably know that he played at, played at Alabama has not competed all that well as far as like, you know, contending in any sort of tournament as far as I know. And today, I think on hole five, he got into the woods and had a hard time getting out of the woods. Ended up triple bogeying his, his, his fifth hole and right off the bat kind of sent him, set him to, I think, you know, one or two shots below everybody else. Um, that hole reminded me of a lot of amateurs I've seen golf. I mean, he's just slapping around the woods a few times. Um, had a buddy text me, uh, Pat Morgan said it reminded him of playing hole 13 at the classic Madden's long par five. If you get, <laughs> you're not in the fairway, it's going to take you a few to get out. Anyways, it was kind of fun to see him bounce back from that. Cause you do see a lot of those guys that have not contended, you know, that get there and they just shoot a, you know, 76 or, you know, they just all of a sudden a few holes, they get the nerves get to them and they just can't perform. They can't make birdies. They can't, uh, can't get up and down when they need it. And he just seemed that after that, maybe it just kind of relaxed him a little bit. Cause at that point, then he wasn't the lead anymore and he started hitting some golf shots. So um, I thought, I thought it was pretty, you know, the fortitude he had to come back. And then of course they made the playoff. And just to talk about that a little bit, um, Davis Riley did not lose in the playoff. It was Sam birds that won it. So he didn't do anything stupid. He played solid golf. He didn't look nervous. He got up and down on the bunker on 18 the first time. Um, you know, and Burns had a birdie putt and Burns just made a bomb, made a bomb on the second playoff hole. And that kind of ended his, uh, um, his chances there. He had a chip in, he had a little nice little chip just off the green to try to make it. And he, 
win for it, missed it. But you got to love those stories of the guys that, you know, just haven't been there yet, trying to trying to win for the first time, make it to the Masters, and he didn't didn't it wasn't able to pull it off. Yeah, Nee Smith, he was he had a good week, made some money. So Nee Smith is, uh, I just respect this guy. Uh, he was he shot the sixty one, shot ten under on Friday. Um, and one of the things I thought was pretty cool is his interview afterwards. I don't know if anybody heard it. Basically, he said, "I'm tired of playing golf with nerves. I'm tired with of the anxiety. I just." I am going to, from here on out, he basically committed to, I'm going to just play and not worry about anything other than whacking my ball around the best that I can. And that's, and if that's good enough, great. If it's not, you know, great too. I mean, so his perspective, we always get that perspective word in golf. When people find that perspective, yeah. they usually tend to play, play better. So you love to hear it. You love to hear a guy just hitting his golf ball and not giving a shit. I love it. <laughs> my man. The short uh, I got, I got a little. I got a little tidbit here for you. Um, so, you know, Davis Riley, I'm sure he's a competitor. He's a pro golfer. He's probably kicking himself now because if he makes double bogey in the end, he wins that golf tournament, but he made triple. Um, and, you know, I'm sure he's okay. Cause he's made more money probably this week than he ever made in his life. Um, Cause he's, he won twice in the corn Ferry tour. But uh, anyway, the last time at a PGA tour event, where somebody made a triple bogey and on Sunday in the final round and won was 1996 Valero, Texas open David Ogren, who I've never heard of before, but he did it. He pulled it off. He made a triple bogey somewhere in that final round and still won. But that's the last time. I love Mike's musings. I just love the kid that <laughs> he can provide on all that stuff. Anything else from, Oh, I should say Neesmith is, is an Aiken boy, Aiken, South Carolina. That's the home of Kevin Kisner. Oh, I, didn't, really? I, didn't, I didn't know that until today either. So Aiken, Aiken guy. Nice. We should good. expect some really good commentary from him too then. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Good golf Anything on else? Aiken. Anything else from the, from the Valspar? Nothing. Oh, how about Kepka? 65 okay. today. He was the best round today by a few. So maybe he's rounded into form a little bit here just in time for Augusta. That's what he wants. He wants to... You could kind of tell that he doesn't. You didn't really want to win the Valspar. He just wanted to be informed for that Masters in a couple of weeks. Well, we all know he hasn't practiced yet. Yeah. So, <laughs> Tim, what do you think? Uh, you got to bring up his. Uh, you think there should be a meme of him? Oh God, yeah. I mean, was there anything better than watching the pros attempt to hit through that wind um, at 17 at Sawgrass? Uh, especially Brooks with the blonde locks flowing, no hat on, likely blown <laughs> off. Yeah. Uh, just laughing and his ball careening into the water, just yards and yards and yards off offline. It looks, it looks like one of my reactions from today's round. <laughs> uh, and it's just, it's nice to see it, the guys on tour act like, act like the common man, whether it's a, an eight out of the trees or Brooks throwing up his, his arms and in, in sheer disgust of the wind and the playing conditions and his shot. Uh, yeah. Just one of us. Absolutely. Well, our, our next I guess agenda topic is the WGC match play next week at Austin country club. We finally get a little break from that stroke play. It's a match play event. Um, is it the top? What is it? The how many, how many players is the top 64? I think is it? I'm not sure. I can't sure. remember quite how many, how many people make it. Um, it's either 64 or 32. I don't know. One or two. But it's about damn time. We get to a sweet golf course. Cause you know, these yeah. golf, the Florida swing is cool. You know, Sawgrass is cool and Bay Hill, you know, Innisbrook in there and the Honda, whatever, but 
Country Club, uh, Austin Country Club is sweet. If you haven't seen it, um, watch that on TV. It's a, it's a really cool golf course. Uh, it was originally formed in like 1899, but Pete Dye, they, they moved it uh, in 1984 to its current location. And it's got an awesome location on the river or lake or whatever that is there. It's either a man-made lake or river, but it's a really cool uh, golf course. Um, shout out to, you could go play it at Mulligan's um, in Plymouth. They just opened up some some sims and i'm pretty sure they got it don't they tim yeah so the the mulligan sim is based off of a video game called the golf club um iteration from 2020 and 2021 uh but in essence it lets you design your own course so a number of people much better with computers video games than myself have gone in and, and done lidar on a number of these courses and made hyper accurate renderings um, of different courses some that can't be named by, by actual name because they'll be taken down almost immediately uh, by the actual course. Um, but they have a, an ad out there right now that they've got something like 100,000 courses. A lot of them are made up. I would not recommend them Recommend them with your own golf clubs, uh, <laughs> maybe just a, an Xbox or, or a PlayStation controller, um, but have just everything under the sun that you can think of. Um, in fact, a couple of our, uh, our courses in our top eight moving forward uh, are actually on that that simulator as well. And I watched Tim. I was in there, was just drinking beer, watching Tim and another buddy play Augusta on there. It's named something else, like Firethorn or something. But it was very good. It was very it was very accurate, and it played right. It played well, right? Yard, oh, yeah. everything's good. Fantastic. This is how they find it, though. You can't you can't list it. Yeah, you can't so, name it. So shout out to Mulligans. But you can play the Austin Country Clubs. That that's a sweet looking golf course. So as we look at the match play event in the form that it is, I mean, match, match play, we, we talked a little bit about this in the pot. It's a different beast. It's, you know, one whole mono a mono. You don't have to worry about the other 130 players in the field. You have to worry about one and you have to beat that one on one hole and over 18 holes be, you know, more one up than the other players. So when we think about this stroke play event, um, you know, we've all probably played in some match play before and the mindset, how it's changed. The only concern I have is the fact that they have to play a lot of golf. The more you are, the more you are successful and win your matches, you've got to basically play 36 a day for a number of days. And sometimes it works, it kind of wears on somebody. I know Billy Horschel won last year in some, some ridiculous wind. You kind of wonder again, are the top guys really, I, it's a WGC. Everybody gets paid. Are they going to really, you know, grind out their rounds? I know everybody wants to win, you know, in some way, shape or form, but if things aren't going great, do you get the guy that really wants to play that much golf just a couple of weeks before masters? That's the only, the only question I have of it being at this point. WGC events. So they should get some, uh, there's some better exemptions and uh, world golf ranking points, I believe for WGC events. I mean, for those that, that just had a, a fit about the conditions at Sawgrass to at least you're showing up, you're playing against one person. The weather's going to be the same. You get the, the same draw of, of dice, um, in your own match. So there's, there's something to be said about that. And I, I, the drama just writes itself in match play. It's just so much fun. Hey, so, so give me some mat. Okay. Where, when you, when you play match play, what are some little, little tips and tricks that you can do to kind of rattle your opponent a little bit? Let's talk about that. The trick is making Mike putt 18 inch putts and rattle them right <laughs> off the backboard. Like, uh, like you Wisconsin today. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, I think match play is interesting because 
you sw- you could swing you swing so loose for and free for a lot of the round because you know you you can make a ten in a hole it doesn't matter you just lose a hole, um, but I do think there's something to be said about uh, like we were talking earlier to putting short putts because as that match goes on, if you if you never practice short putts it's it's usually okay and I've played a lot of match putts so it's like oh. We're giving it, we're good, good on this four footer, good, good on this three footer. And then it gets down to holes, you know, 16, 17, 18. Now you're putting that two footer, you know, to stay at the extended match or something. That's a whole nother animal. Uh, but I think generally, um, at least I, I play, you, it's so much more fun. I have so much more fun playing match play just because you've, you know, you play a looser, you don't worry as much. You know, you might take some risks that you normally wouldn't take. Uh, if you see the guy stick one tight, you know, you got to go for it and it might be good. It might be bad. I think it's a much more fun style of golf and it's awesome to see the PJ tour do it once in a while. What would, uh, Lee Trevino, Lee Trevino would always get off the, the tee and go, oh, I never hit this green or oh, I never hit this fairway Yeah, playing partners. And, and it's a little, little cocky, but it's lighthearted. Um, I think that's how match play works with, with most of your buddies. You know, what do you bet a buck, a beer, whatever it might be. Yeah. And sure. I think, I think with match play, and if you're playing like a tournament, the hardest player to me, there's two players that are really hard to play. One is a, a great putter. You know, it, that is hard. If, if, if you're hitting good shots and they're always away and they're rolling in bombs, you know, that's so the it's, worst. That's that the, worst, the worst, you know, and so he's a good putter. And the other thing is, is if you play that, like uh, I've played some matches where, you know, you're playing maybe it's maybe it's somebody older than you or something but they hit it a lot shorter so they're they're always hitting their second shot before you and if they're consistent and they're always on the green that puts a lot of pressure on you you're always hit, they're always hitting it on the green so they got a birdie putt on like every hole you're like holy shit is this ever going to end i got to hit another one up there now are they ever going to make a mistake but uh yeah no i think math play is awesome it's, it's and that so- kind of kind of that same same thing brings me to that i think it was last year with the kevin na dj thing right like Kevin Na didn't quite give DJ the putt or something like that. And there was some controversy about, Hey, I didn't say to pick that up, even though it was like a, you know, eight inch or something like that. So there's always those little nuances just of how, you know, putts are given and, and how it works. And sometimes it can lead to some controversy. I think we've even seen the one with, um, uh, was it uh, Lexi Thompson in the Solheim cup? Yep. Or was it Lexi or was, uh, it was, uh, uh, what's another blonde, um, one of the cordas? No, maybe? this was a not on the other side. Oh, um, the European team. Yeah, well, the ball was still maybe Pedersen, moving or whatever. Pedersen. Pedersen yeah. was, it, yeah. And they didn't give it the go. They kind of walked away, but they never said it was good. And there's some controversy there. Suzanne Pedersen was, was thinking of there. Um, so it can it can bring out those things, too. And you can get golf Twitter going on on that as well when you get, when the, you get uh, some of those. The 1994 USAM at Sawgrass, because I know we were all sitting around on, on Saturday just hoping – to watch some golf um, and Friday and Saturday and uh, Tiger just making, making his opponent putt every two footer out as he was getting putts given to him was what just a, what a dick. Oh man. What a dick, what a dick move by the goat. It's, it's been, it's been almost 20 years, uh, 30 years. It's almost been goodness. And you're still just clenching your jaw. You're like, Oh God, I cannot make, I, I cannot believe he made him putt that. I'd be doing the JT at the Ryder Cup and putting my fucking putter <laughs> in the hole and showing him how far away this is. 
My actually favorite is doing the uh, not saying it's good. They get over it. You know, they grind. They have to do the mental grind of thinking about making the putt, and just about they take the stroke back. Then you say it's good. Yeah, kind of get this. Masters awesome. So good deal. Well, I guess our our last part of our agenda today is just talking about those sweet sixteen results. Uh, we've we've got uh, the people spoke. We had four hundred fifty plus vote. It was awesome to see the participation that we've had from people trying to find that number one public course here in Minnesota. We stress that we love for people to continue to um, vote for us or vote for the, you know, vote with us, I should say uh, this week as Thursday, the vote starts, but let's go over the results of the, of the sweet 16. And then we'll kind of highlight our elite eight matchups. Our first one that we had was Corey versus Bridges. I think we had talked about how we probably know that's going to end up, but, it was a uh, ninety-two to eight percent wise. That's about the uh, that's about the sixteen versus one seed uh, percentage. Maybe it's even worse than NCAA tournament, but that was a tough tough road for the bridges. It, it is, and they had to do some repairs last year with a little bit of flooding. Generally, the course was in great condition. Would highly recommend getting down to Winona and playing it. Um, and a great story: the the Fastmo owner buying the property um, and then turning it public for the for the community. So really, a, a great play, but. It's hard to go up against the behemoth yeah. in the state. It and really you, you is. Can't go, you can't go wrong with Winona just the way it looks. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful area. It, it beautiful And if a lot of people here have obviously played the Jewel. It has some of the same features with some of the same rock formations. Um, obviously, a lot different layouts than, than the Jewel, but some of those high cliffs with lots of trees. Uh, so if, if you're a fan of just the aesthetic of, of the Jewel, uh, you know, take that extra 45 minutes if you drive like me an hour um, and get down to <laughs> get down to the bridges. I think don't they have some really sweet like actual bridges on the golf course? They're like long and crazy. they do. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's something from, you know, kind of the older days of golf, those long walking bridges. So it, you can bring a cart. Um, it's not an easy walk, but if you do walk your your push cart, if you bring it will barely fit on all those walking bridges photographed and all those photos. It is, it's treacherous. You'll catch a wheel. Um, I, I can't give you a good way to walk those exactly with a push cart, but they're, they're fun. That's great. And, and Corey advances. I mean, we, we talked to kind of touched on this last podcast. It's a, it's a very dynamic course with a lot of awesome things that it offers. It makes you play every club in your bag. When I played it, I'm pretty sure I hit all 14 clubs numerous times. Um, it's, Awesome closing hole, great visuals, a lot of options that you can play it, different ways to play it. So there's there's a reason why Corey um, won that one handily. It's a it's a great course. I think that closing hole looks a little different to a lefty. <laughs> play that little squeeze cut out there. I'm watching JP hit these squeeze cuts, and I'm just going to work on my squeeze cut. <laughs> Get the stroke lab down there in the basement. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, our next matchup was one that we kind of thought it would be interesting. It was the Battle of Brainerd, and Deacons came out on top. It was uh, 61 to 39. It was very close for, for much of the voting. And then, I don't know, there must have been a Deacons contingent that came in and started hammering on the votes there, but um, ended up being Deacons walking away with that one. Deacons has been catching steam nationally, though, in the last uh, few years, for sure. Um, I did look up uh, that the... The classic when they it was the super the superintendent the course superintendent was the designer Scott Hoffman is his name so I'm thinking that's a pretty cool story like 
if he if he designs the golf course, he's out there working every day. He's like, holy shit, I built you know I built this place and it's top hundred in America for public courses or whatever. That's pretty cool. There was some input by John Harris, who's a Minnesota golf legend. Uh, if you don't know, um, was like all American for the golfers. I think he's from Roseau, um, but he he won the U.S. Am once and some other events. He played in the Senior Tour, I think. So John Harris is a is a big Minnesota name, but he was involved there somehow too with the classic. Okay. And we, and I, I play the classic every year and I'll, I just want to touch a little bit on that as we say goodbye to the classic. Um, if you play it in the peak, it's, it might be one of the top in condition golf course. It is just, I mean, the conditions in the summer are unbelievable. Um, the one thing I'll say about, about the classic that kind of, you know, and a lot of courses have this, but there's a lot of stressful shots. I mean, it is not, I mean, when you get in the back nine, you've got a little bit of, wiggle room there but that front nine could be absolutely brutal there's only three holes without water on it and those three holes are actually some of the tougher handicap holes hole four hole eight and nine are are tough to to score well and they don't have as much trouble on so it's a very stressful course and I think that's part of it um you know for the guy that you know doesn't like hitting over water a lot um you know you've got a lot of carries you've got a lot of um you know I shouldn't say kind of Pete Dye-esque, uh, I'm going to look at this bad thing when I hit this shot instead of focusing on the greens, which actually are pretty big. The greens are, are decent size. So you've got a good landing target there, but a lot of carries. And I think when our group goes up there, we'll talk about this in a pod in the future, but we have a 24 guys that go up there. The numbers that some of these holes can produce <laughs> is quite astonishing. We, we don't, we have to, we have to basically, well, you don't putt out, but we play it till, you know, you got a, a guinea in, in the putter grip, but there are stories of some monster numbers at the classic and, uh, and, and that's it. I mean, that's, you know, your average player, your good players are going to be fine there. There's the, I feel like fairways are, you know, fairly hittable. I don't think that they are anything, you know, super tight or anything. Uh, you got a lot of fairway bunkers too, but but if it's somebody that's, you know, 10 handicap or, or, or higher, you're probably looking at um, some trouble. You're going to, you're going to deal with trouble in one way or another. So water, sand, I mean, in the sand too, I was going to mention that it's a very fine sand that you can get a lot of plug balls on. So even if you do hit one in there, you may not get a great lie. And that, that's another reason why some of our guys have had some big numbers is because they're in the sand. It takes them five <laughs> to get out of there. They're putting it? Are they putting it out? I <laughs> know the two lips are too tough. <laughs> You got to take the putter up to that third tier uh, bunker up there on, on what hole is that? 12 or 12 or 11, I think. Yes. The bear, kind of the bear paw in the back. Oh, if, hole if, 11. You, if you don't take a couple balls up there and just try that shot when you're out with the guys, <laughs> did you really play it? <laughs> right. So, well, the uh, Deacons moves on great course. And we, um, like you said, it's got a lot of national steam. It's, you can't really go wrong with that course. And I think, I think people are, are hopefully going to get up and play that a lot and, and have a lot of good things to say about it. Making our way to our next matchup, it was the Jewel versus Dakota Ridge. And I know Mike wants to speak a little bit on this one. He thinks it's upset city, baby. I think that's an upset. I'm disappointed in the people here. I got to tell you, Dakota, Dakota's like, I love Dakota. This is an upset. This is to me. I, I, you know, I, I like the Jewel too. It's a great course. I'm not, I'm not going to go against the people here, but. Dakota to me as a as a as an eighteen hole golf course is is better, but that's okay. The jewel is good too. I'm gonna 
I'm, I'm calm. I'm calm right now about it, but this is an upset to me. Yeah, I was, I was shocked. I did a little bit of research on the jewel just because I thought it was this David versus Goliath. You've got the jackpot junction money going into Dakota, a Reese Jones design. Um, and then you've got, you know, a Hill Irwin, right? Yeah. Champion. Uh, but the, the management group is a place called Kemper Sports, a uh, host of different uh, courses that they manage, one of them being Stream Song. So it turned out to not be such, such a, you know, underdog Cinderella story as I thought going into those numbers. Um, Instead, it looked like a a bit more of a a fair fight. That one was pretty close, right? With the numbers. That was, yeah, I didn't see the numbers on that. It was 57% to 43%. But, but that, that also must've made up because it was pretty tight for the most of majority of our voting poll. I should have activated the burner accounts. I should activate the burner accounts. I got the code over the top. Got the code over the top. I, I do think I do think the jewel does a better job of, of online um, advertising marketing. Um, so yeah, maybe they had their constituents turn out. Yeah, maybe. I, yeah, you don't hear a lot in the metro, at least here about Dakota Ridge. You don't hear a lot of stuff advertised. You know, I, I don't know why, but Mike, you and I have heard the the only thing that we've really heard from Dakota Ridge is the teacher play free month. Yeah, it used to be. I think they moved it to May or something. Now I don't know. Okay. Got to figure that out. Got to figure that out and take yeah. take advantage. You say, when do they do that? March? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we just opened. Here we go, teachers. <laughs> so, all right, our last matchup then was uh, another one that we probably could have predicted. It was Willinger versus Wilderness, fifteen to eighty-five. Um, you know that one is kind of speaks for itself there. Yeah, here you go. Willinger is going up against one of the big dogs. Tim, anything that you want to say about either of those two that you played? I mean, it, the par threes at, at Wilderness are just are just top notch. I think Wilderness even gives Corey a run for its money, depending on the green speed um, and course conditions. Uh, but a shame to see the the Willingers bird, a great logo, get knocked out. <laughs> it is a good um, logo, especially with just their close proximity to the city. I know that we had a um, a metro and then uh, a greater state matchup going on and the two different sides of brackets but uh you know the the three-hour drive to wilderness versus the 45-minute drive down to to willingers is uh i'll definitely be playing willingers more this season and i think the people just can't get over the fact that willingers has a par five where you probably hit iron off the tee that's just not you know come on we want to have fun out there for the viewers <laughs> for the listeners mike hits iron <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah mike your two iron doesn't count all right, let's move to the Metro. Um, our, our first matchup was actually, we've got two pretty tight matchups here that we, we can discuss some, but we kind of thought this one was going to be tight. It was the Edinburgh versus Rush Creek, and Rush Creek edged Edinburgh a little bit. It was 54 to 46, and we kind of, when we, when we saw this matchup, we knew it could really go either way. I think Rush Creek... Um probably has the reputation as a little more of an upscale um fancier golf course maybe if that helps puts it over the edge a little i don't know it's it's like chaska right where you've got your town membership and tea times are kind of hard to come by at rush they fill up pretty quick so it's it's difficult for for me to get out there more than maybe twice a a year just on availability yeah edinburgh is much more accessible that's for sure Mm And I think Rush Creek hosts a lot of events as well from what I've seen. They yeah. do. Yep. Very event play, heavy. Play 18, get married. <laughs> no particular <laughs> order. There you go. Awesome. All right. Next one. Um, again, probably one we could have predicted, but Meadows going up against Troy Byrne. 
Troy Byrne again has another, has kind of a lot of steam as well around this area. Anything from that one? Yeah, I mean, predictable. I like the Meadows. I think the Meadows is a really good golf course. Um, not as good as Troy Byrne, but 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 good. If you have not played it at the casino, I would get over to Mystic Lake and try it out. I know. I think they didn't used to have like a twilight rate, but we played it with a twilight last year. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it's down to like, it's still like a $75 ish twilight with a cart and everything, but it's a fun golf course. It's very playable. It's got some really good holes and you can go gamble afterwards. Hell yeah. Who's like that. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting course. It, it feels like uh, kind of an older country club flowing fairways, small undulations in the fairway. Um, Semi tree line, but you can still have some misses. Hey, you can get away with some stuff. We like that. You got to have a little bit of a miss here and there, or at least give me one side to bail out on. Yeah. I'm not, there might not be a better finishing hole than hitting it at a large casino with an aerator fountain on the right side. Yes, it's got like Peninsula Green, par five. You got the casino, right? Is there anything more beautiful than a casino in the background? I mean, what could, I don't know, you know, I would say, Wynn would say no. <laughs> Wynn would say no. You know, in Vegas? no. Yeah. Some people, some people like Pebble Beach you know or cypress point or whatever but if you got the casino in the background that's solid when you're ripping it at a green and going in two over water on a par five hell yeah flip those neon lights on <laughs> yep. all right and then we had our uh our our other one that i would kind of would probably predict that was gonna be pretty tight it was the legend versus the royal the legends again the whole time it was kind of that 50 50 and then the last you know i don't know couple hours before we we cut it off. It was legends etched it out 56 to 44. Yeah. That's all, I figured that'd be a tight one too. They're both good golf courses. Could go either way in that. Yeah. I think it, what whole four, 14 or I believe 14, 15, 15 at, at Royal, the now par three, possibly par four green change into the other side. I think that that just, it, it makes it interesting. It, it kind of breaks up the flow of the course and it's that par four that doesn't really belong so i think as soon as they figure that out it it, it has a little bit better shot at yeah it played as a part three last summer because i think they're moving it to the, the green to the right side of the water or something my scorecard said par four <laughs> uh, yeah I, I played as a par four as well if the scorecard says par four we're playing but you got almost the, had an albatross but you got the, you got the classic par five par five finish and last week our, on the yes. podcast your hometown course better talk about it that's about as embarrassing as it gets. I throw out the, I throw out the, is there another course that we can play that finishes par five, par five? And I sit here thinking, ah, oh, I can't, I don't got one. And here it is, you know, a mile down the road, Wild Marsh, par five, par five. Shout out to John Free. He pointed that one out to me. Um, that is embarrassing. So yeah, Wild Marsh has that par five finish as well, par five, par five. So love to see our last, ma- anything else? Not on those two. All right, last matchup. It was uh, Chaska versus Stone Ridge. We could have thought that this was another one that was going to be uh, pretty tight. And this one end up same scores, Legends and Royal. It was 56-44. The people came through for me. I, like, I, I, love, all, I love all you guys. Stone Ridge, that's my baby. <laughs> well, do you think it's got a chance? I mean, it's going to – well, we'll talk – actually, no, we'll get that. We've got – we're going to get to our lead eight matchups here, but – I think Tim made a good point when we were talking today, golfing about Chaska. Go ahead, Tim. What, just tea time availability yeah, again? Yeah, it's just hard to get on, Chaska. It, it's the same thing as Rush. They both have their their townie cards there, um, those residents that are in close proximity. And it, other courses as well, Braemar, you could put in the same bucket. Hard to get a tea time in any one of these places unless you just get lucky or you're willing to do it less than a foursome. 
Yeah, um, I think they do like membership. They open up the tea times, you know, week ten days or a week ahead, and members just gobble them all up, and you can hardly find a tea time. Well, that makes it difficult to play for sure. So that you know, maybe that skewed the votes a little bit. Could well, have been. We'll see what happens because they're opening what that new par three over there though. So that could that could enter into a whole days out event where maybe you get a little bit more flexibility to justify yeah. uh, a tea time that you might not have normally picked up because you've got a par three to play. All right. Well, let's talk about our lead eight matchups. We've got Corey versus Deacons. And by the way, we'll post this on social media. You'll see that I would love, we'd love to hear comments and, and things about who you think is going to win and kind of get some uh, discussion going, but we got Corey and Deacons uh, for the greater state and jewel versus wilderness. Any sort of insight predictions on how you think those matchups will go? Uh, well, I think jewel is, is going to have an uphill battle. Wilderness. I think the wilderness and Deacons are the two, Probably in Minnesota, the two public golf courses that nationally are catching the most steam, it seems like, when you, you read, like, publications and everything. Um, so I think Jules got a rough one. But Corey and Deacons will be interesting. You know, the Corey's the big dog still, I think, for Minnesota public golf, it seems like, anyway. So we'll see what happens. To, to that point, there's not much upward mobility for Corey right now, though. I think they're 31st on Golf Digest Top 100. And if you look at what's ahead of them, it is a tough uphill battle for them to climb where I think yeah. wilderness was uh, lower, lower seventies and yeah. moving up. Um, wilderness, a great course by all means, just tends to, tends to have a little bit slower green um, complexes. It, granted, I think you mentioned this last time, tons of tiering, tons of breaks. If they could speed it up, I think it was at like a nine, nine and a half last time I played it, speed it up to 11 and, just take souls. Uh, I would be all about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, hell yeah. Nothing better than a, an amateur hitting on into like playing the course perfect and then four jacking it and, and walking for a double. You got to respect that. Your your moniker is not easy, right? Breaking eighty ain't easy. <laughs> yeah, you just can't show up. You got to earn it. Yep. There's there's, um, there's nothing I like more when I'm you know when I'm converting. I'm going from regular grip to pencil grip mid round because I'm so pissed off than <laughs> then a fast undulating like four tier green. Go with, I might go with the Morikawa this year where I do both, where I do regular from the bombs and then get to the pencil and the shorter ones. The faster like, it is, no. the less putt. Yeah. The, less, the less putter stroke I can take, the better. The last thing I'll say about that greater state matchup is the only thing that might come into play here is the fact that some people may not have been up there to play those ones. And so the travel to get there is a little bit tougher. And so maybe people have played Jewel more and Deacons more. That might come into. Yeah, it's possible. Especially Wilderness. Wilderness, is, Wilderness is way up there. I think some people will go play the Corey Legends just because they're connected or whatever. But then you got to go the extra distance to get to Wilderness. Was it 45 minutes? Like that? 25. Is it? Well, well, never, that's, the one, that's the one I've never played here in the Elite Eight. So Me, me driving again. But <laughs> So all right, let's go to our, our Metro then. Uh, Elite Eight matchups would be Rush Creek versus Troy Byrne. And then Legends versus Stone Ridge. What do you think about Rush versus Troy? Should be should be a good one, I think. I, you know, I don't. I think people love Troy Burn. I do too. It's a great course, um, but Rush is good too. That should be decently close battle. I, I've got my favorite. I won't mention it out of that, but I did pick up um, kind of a new habit uh, right after a round at Troy. There was a gentleman dropping balls right on the patio area, and if you've been there, it's it's not close to that pond on number ten. They proceeded to hit him off the patio into the pond and declare that they were sacrifices before he played his actual oh. round. You had to be a member. Was he a member? He had to be. I, I, he was a character. Um, and then here we all are post round 
having a beer, all getting balls from our bags, hitting them into the water with them. I wish there was a pelican, right. I wish there was a pelican on a post like in tin cup. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then well, well, Stone Ridge. Stone Ridge Legends should probably be close. Uh, in my in my non-professional opinion, there's a clear favorite here. Uh, the Ridge, but uh, it should be close. You know, I don't know. I think uh, the all eight golf courses are good golf courses. So Stone and that's kind of why we're, I mean, that's why we're doing this. It's, I mean, it, is, is it official? No, it's just, it's just fun to see what people's perspectives are and what, what Minnesota golf has to offer, you know, and even the ones on here, one of the times what we'll do on the pod is we got to talk about those courses, those kind of great value courses, those courses that, you know, give you awesome value, give you a fun golf course to play. Don't have to deal with, you know, high rates or have to deal with a ton of, you know, uh, slow play issues, you know, things like that. We'll have to, we'll have to make sure we highlight some of those other ones too, and, and do a segment on that. Cause there's a ton of awesome golf courses here in Minnesota. We'll have to do the uh, 40 under 40 or something like that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, for sure. There's lots of good value courses. I think I was, I don't know if I talked about this in an earlier podcast, but I do really think that um, Minnesota as a whole, and even if you want to break it down to the Metro and the greater state has good public golf. You know, if you go to like, let's say Chicago, for instance, they have great private golf, but the public golf here is better in like the Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul metro area than I think in like Chicago. So I think we have pretty good public golf here. And that's a good thing. Absolutely. Anything else, Tim, from your travels in Minnesota as we kind of wrap up here? Uh, gosh, I, you know, I'm not sure. The, the only thing with these courses moving forward uh, into the bracket, how deep do you dive on the analytics? Are you putting together a buddies package to encompass some of them? How far do you want to consider each one of these as they move forward? Because a couple of them package together really, really well. We can go into depth on that later if, if you'd like, but um, there's just so much going around on each one of these as far as its, its culture and design and, and the other amenities surrounding it uh, that Absolutely. There's a lot, there's a lot to a golf course other than just playing it. You know, there's, there's a lot that goes into it, but well, we want to thank you for, for jumping on, um, you know, Mike and I have our insight, but knowing that you've played all of these numerous times, uh, it's, it's good to hear another voice get on here and, and talk Minnesota golf. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Mike, anything else that you want to give the people as we sign off? Nothing. Just, Hey, where you're going to be, I don't know where you're listening from, but I would say in the next week or two up, even into upper central Minnesota, we should have a lot of golf courses opening here. So there should be lots of chances to play, get out there. Yeah. We really appreciate you all listening. Uh, it's been awesome to, to be able to talk golf and for you guys to um, reach out and tell us things that, you know, we can work on or things that are going well. So we appreciate it all um, until next time until episode five. Actually, this was episode three. Never mind. Episode three, four. Episode four. Episode four. Yes. Look at that. Um, cheers everybody. And we'll talk to y'all soon. Later.